0: Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following was excerpted from a Zoom session of Dharma Dialogues, which was broadcast from Australia on November 7th, 2020. It's called Stranger in a Strange Land, which of course was the title of Robert Heinlein's sci-fi book of 1961. I invite you to join us for any of the upcoming monthly Zoom sessions, which are held at two different times on the first weekend of each month to accommodate most time zones in the world. There's a type of, of misery that involves feeling like a stranger in a strange land, feeling like a misfit, feeling like this world is not really your home and feeling unsafe in it. And I think a lot of people have been feeling that. not just because of the U.S. election, which isn't hitting as close to home to most of you here on the call tonight as it is to my friends and family back home,
1: but for all kinds of other reasons. There can be a feeling of not being at home. But what actually gives you a sense of Home. What is soothing in that way? So I would propose that you can have the experience
0: of being at home with a shift of your attention.
1: And part of that is letting be whatever is. Whatever it is, let it play out. It's just going to play out on its own. There's not
0: a lot of control we have. We have very little control over events. We sometimes make the conceptual mistake of thinking that if we worry and think about things enough, we might have some control about, over them. But it doesn't usually work out that way. We might worry about something endlessly over which we have no control at all. And just because we were thinking about it for a long time and very, very fervently, we still had no control. There's a few things we get to control. They have to do with what you do with your attention. So this
1: feeling of being at home, it's a feeling of... of open-handedness. It's a feeling of living in the mystery. It's a feeling of a kind of natural humility about
0: what your great sense of agency actually is,
1: like I'm saying. Then you apply your talents and your creativity to what you can actually do. And you don't spend much energy worrying about,
0: fretting about, wringing your hands about things you can't control, things you can't do anything about. Now, I know as humans, we are programmed to think about the future and to worry. We do that. And that's, it's not to make it... Uh, a terrible thing every time that arises. It's just that it's fruitless. So you can redirect the attention as best you can. Often, when you see that it's fruitless, you can often change the movie. Just like when you're perhaps surfing on the channels And you land on something that you start watching. You realize, no, no, this is horrible. I don't like this at all. You change the film. You go to the next one. And fortunately for us, we can change the movie with our attention.
1: You can change the movie into the reality in which you live, whatever it is. I understand very well a a sense of foreboding. I understand that very well. I have a sense of foreboding.
0: I work with it. And in a bizarre way, it's turned into an ally. I have a sense of foreboding, as many of you know, about the collapse of our ecological systems that I suspect is going to translate into a lot of starvation. And every single sign that I look at is pointing in that direction. So I have a sense of foreboding that I live with. It's not really even about my personal life, actually. It's about people I care about who are a lot younger than I. It's a lot about that and the animals of the world.
1: Um, Of course, I want the best for all of you. (laughs) But I especially feel for the younger people
0: who haven't had a chance to live much life yet and who knows what their future is going to look like. So I do have this, I would say, rational sense of foreboding. But I have been managing it and working with it for years. And it has been informing a kind of adherence to the very things I say every single time we meet, To giving myself permission to have joys in my day, if I notice I'm falling off into worry, depression, foreboding too much, I interrupt it. I do something, I I go for a walk, I have a cup of tea, I sit down and just look at the sky, I do any number of, I have all kinds of tricks in the bag that are really simple and really at hand
1: and bring me right into presence, right into present awareness, and ground me, and
0: sometimes that's as simple as going outside and walking in the grass, or going to the beach, I'm lucky I live near a beautiful beach, and walking in the sand. It's very good if you can put your feet on the earth, Anywhere you can, even a public park would be great um, to sometimes just ground yourself. Feel the earth under your feet
1: and breathe the air. So this is by way of saying there's been a wave of unrest in the world in these last many days
0: there's been a lot of unrest in the air a feeling of what's going to happen and it's it's created kind of a murmur of almost low level panic of sorts and i really recommend not getting caught up in it i'm not saying that it doesn't matter whatever drama you're watching i'm not saying that it doesn't matter but I'm just saying that you don't need to
1: be caught up in it too heavily, especially as there's not much you can do. And that just applies to every single thing. When there's not much you can do, when it's out of your hands, then the, the play on the board is let go, let it be. It will be. It's already happening. It will be what it is and
0: how refreshing it is when you are with someone who you know understands the, the picture, gets it. And yet they're pretty chill. They're pretty okay. They're not denying it and they're not being overly glib or, or giddy, which is
1: obviously annoying. They're just there. They're just handling it. They're just clear. You might experience a kind of brave-heartedness in in the company of that person
0: because that kind of uh, calm transmits itself.
1: So give yourself that and then your very presence gives that to other people. The calm transmits not having to deny that there's social unrest, that there's climate
0: chaos, that many, many, many people on this planet are struggling, not denying any of that, seeing
1: it quite clearly. And yet, here you are in your precious
0: life, your moments here on this earth, Your moments,
1: they're fleeting. You know, those hourglasses of time. I always point out that
0: when, when much of it has been emptied out, it looks like the grains of sand are going faster and faster. But they're not going faster. They're going at the same speed they were always going that fast. It's just that when they get down to the last, it looks like they're really going fast. And we often have that experience as we get older, that time is just roaring along. Tomorrow is kind of a a red letter day of sorts for me in that four years ago, tomorrow, Leonard Cohen, who was one of my really dearest friends of my whole life, uh, died on that day. And then two years ago, my father died on the same day. And it's also my mother's 90th birthday tomorrow, and she's still alive. So I'm aware, (laughs) in thinking about it, that it's
1: just like a blink. It's just like it was yesterday that... Leonard died, or that my father died. It's just zoomed by. It's hard to believe. This is your precious life.
0: How are you going to spend it? What are you going to do with your mind, your creativity, your willingness to love, the spring in your step? That encourages someone else who's feeling like they're dragging.
1: The understanding of the the bubble in the stream that is life. I'm glad you gave me the opportunity
2: to speak because uh, I'm a fan of yours, Incognito. Okay. I attended a few uh, a few meetings and uh, what you're doing catherine is the, the highest work there is and oh. i say that not not in the sense of invalidating or marginalizing other teachings but in this time that we're living as you so brilliantly point out in many of your writings and many of your talks is a time where there are no answers religion can, provide answers, philosophy can't provide answers. I studied psychology for 60 years. Every school of psychology that can't provide answers. The only answers that could be provided is is what is described as a direct experience. Because mental constructs, hypothetical theories, philosophies, it doesn't work anymore because life as we know it is rapidly changing at such an alarming pace to, to many people that there are no quote-unquote answers. And so what you're doing is, uh, brilliantly doing, is saying in so many words, like, take the arrogance of this silly what you're saying, that the way out is the way in.
1: Yes. And the way,
2: the way in is, uh, and it's through the, Way in that we can invite the direct experience that goes beyond our perception, beyond our senses, and beyond our beyond the line which is all fragmented and myopic relative to the totality of all that there is. Yes, well
0: thank you, thank you for saying that and um Yes, I feel that this is a time where we can just hold hands and turn to community because hearing these tin sounding to my ear a lot of the old teachings, the old philosophies, the old psychologies etc they're so they're running so flat at this point, you know. We're in new territory in our world. And I think just the most simple Teachings are the most beautiful, just being calm, being kind, being generous, forgetting all this sort of hoo-ha about, you know, there's no one there and all those kinds of things that people fixate in the various spiritual scenes. It's all very irrelevant at this point. What we really need is community. We need to tell the truth to each other We need to be able to say, I'm scared, or I'm worried, or I'm depressed, or I'm struggling in various ways, and have someone there who says, yeah, I hear you, right? And I've been noticing in my community of friends that when we're able to really share those kinds of struggles and and the deeper, deeper feelings. It's amazing how it amortizes the burden. It's like the burden gets, it's like people are carrying some part of the weight when they're listening and feeling into it and saying, yes, me too. So that is also one of the functions that I see for these meetings, that we do... We do speak a lot of dharma, but it's the kind of dharma that I feel
1: most comfortable with, which is really the direct experience, as you said. Um, I would like to talk about something you said
3: also today about uh, how do I want to spend this life? Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Like you say, because it's been... Almost ten months ago now since my husband died, and I can sense something is happening in me, not big things, just little movements of, mm-hmm. um I have a uh, my mind is thinking a lot about I don't just want to survive this life I want to live actually, mm-hmm. I want to live yeah and uh, because I think it's I've had a struggle for Many years, and I've been surviving my life so many years, and and I'm like now I I just turned fifty one, and I think how do I actually want to spend this life? So something is happening, and I would like to ask you about uh, you talk often about coexisting awareness, yes. and also do a dualistic life of being. Is that the same coexisting awareness and Um, to live I don't know that I've ever said dualistic life. Oh really? Oh okay.
1: Okay.
3: (laughs) But I do talk a lot about coexisting awareness, which simply is. Yeah, because I feel like in um, now that it's 10 months ago, I, I have a certain experience about being in grief. And of course I'm still in in very deep grief, but but I'm also noticing that I can be and that grief can be in the background noise and then I can be in joyful yes. situations with my boys with my or with a beautiful girlfriend on a nice walk on the beach or, you know, present awareness with other human beings. Good. That's exactly
0: it. That's exactly what I mean by coexisting awareness. Is so it? I said Yes. So I said a little while ago, you heard me say, I live with a sense of foreboding.
3: What does that mean? I don't know, what is that word? It means,
0: it means a sense that this system is not going to hold in the ways that we've known it for a whole lot longer. That I have that sense that it's not going to hold and that there's a, a, well at the moment a slow motion collapse uh, happening, it may start picking up, it may pick up speed. And collapse can happen actually very suddenly, just like death does, right? So I have a sense. I hope it doesn't scare people, but I have that sense, and I live with that sense. So as I said before, earlier this evening, I live with a coexisting awareness as well, in which, because I've been training my attention to live with this thing, which I frankly cannot just get rid of because I see I see the signs of it everywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. If
0: I weren't seeing the signs, if the f- signs weren't reinforcing what I sense, then I wouldn't be feeling this, but they do. They do reinforce it because I keep seeing the same kinds of signs. Yeah. And, because, and because of that, I've had to adjust and live with a sense of foreboding but it's now in its place. It isn't dictating the show. It's not, it's not the all and everything of my mind. It's in its place. So, so for- I, do have, I do have lots of joy. I, as I said, I'm using the foreboding as an ally because it's reminding me to enjoy the days and to be kind and to let things go easily. And to really know what I can, anything that I can actually affect and what I cannot
3: affect, which is almost everything. <laughs> like, but what, what does it exactly mean, that word, emboding? For- foreboding. Foreboding.
0: Yeah, it's like a sense, it's like a a, a, a sort of unsettled sense. Oh, Un- okay. Yeah, unsettled, unnerved it's not quite worrying. It's like, it's, it's not as active as worrying. If you know It's sort I mean. of
3: something you sense.
0: Yeah. It's like, for instance, if you heard on the news, there's a huge storm coming. And then you start noticing this, the sky is getting darker. You don't know for sure it's going to be as big as they're saying. But you do see that the sky is getting really dark and the wind is picking up. So you will have then a sense of foreboding, like you means you're seeing something before it's happening. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have that, I have a background sense of that. I'm I'm used to it now. It's been years. And and yet I have this coexisting awareness, which is now highly trained in being pretty light in it. And why is that happening? Because I do, all the things I'm saying, I do turn to a lot of joys, little joys in the day. Um, I am in a kind of let go about so many things, right? I let, I let go pretty easily. How do you actually do that, let go? As because I, I, I don't know, it just has happened just, over the years.
3: Because well, you're moving your attention, you can, you can just let it go.
1: Yes, and also
0: also because, and and we say, okay, this is another part of it, is that I feel like I've practiced in my mind saying goodbye to everything and everything saying goodbye to each other. Mm -hmm. I have seen that scenario a lot in my mind. So just as you are dealing with grief and as you are processing it and as you are in a kind of, a kind of,
3: evolution in it because things are changing that is pretty scary because my life is so different without my husband so so I have to really deal with a lot of anxiety and what about the future and and I know you're saying don't go there because Stay in the present moment. And I really try to...
0: I'm not, I'm not really saying... I'm just saying...
3: I'm not really always
0: saying don't go there. We can't help but think about the future sometimes. No, But I'm
3: trying to move my attention,
0: like you say. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Move your attention out of misery and out, yeah. of, you know, out, of, out of going over how lonely and how sad and so on. Those kinds yeah. of things you can actually address. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And at so, the same
3: time, I still want... When, when it's rolling, like you're saying, you say it's so good with, with grief that it's like waves that can come, big waves or little waves or a tsunami. Sometimes there is a tsunami. Yes. And I just. I By just, the way, sometimes I have a tsunami of foreboding. Sometimes yeah. I have that. Yeah. And then I just try to stay in it and, and let it roll. And then I just cry and cry and cry. And now I have the experience that I'm not that afraid of it anymore because I know it'll, it'll pass again, like you say. It, it moves on. It, it doesn't stay like that all the yeah. time. Sure, so sure. now I can stay in that tsunami of grief and and cry and cry, and then then it moves on, you know yeah. quietly. But yeah, do, do you think I have to get used and have an acceptance about this grief will always be coexisting with me? I cannot say in your case.
0: I can only speak about it in my case. Yeah. In my case, I would say that because I've had a lot of big losses of really profound heartbreak, that <laughs> I, I have a feeling of being brokenhearted as a general rule, <laughs> but again, I use it as an ally, right? I use it yeah. as an ally and and what it has created is more empathy and more tenderness and more understanding when I see someone else going through grief and yeah. i I really get the Buddha's first noble truth, the truth of suffering, yeah. this place this this realm that we're in. Mm is a realm of impermanence. And every single thing we touch and grip onto, we will be separated from.
3: And that is pretty scary.
0: Well, it is. It's just the reality. And it's like William Blake said, he who binds himself to a joy, doth the winged life destroy. He who kisses the joy as it flies, lives in eternity's sunrise. You've got to kiss the joy as it flies by. And also it can come with a broken heart because it goes. And you had such an incredible love connection with it there. And, and that has a different flavor than when it's gone. And it's just that you love, that the love lives in you. Yeah. It's different when, you know, it's very different for me. Those who who have so transformed my life and I have nothing but gratitude and, and full prostration of gratitude who I still love so much, but they're gone. And it's very different. And as you know, that's so well. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm sure as we go this evening, more will come up that will apply to coexisting awareness. That yeah. we're, we are creatures that we're quite complex, right? Yeah. We're quite complex creatures. And we do have the ability to hold multiple patternings going on in ourselves at once. we,
1: yeah. we We're able to do that. Yeah. 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 Thank you. (laughs) Hi. This is my first uh, visit.
4: Oh, Oh, very good. And uh, because you just seem like such a friendly group, I immediately put my hand up (laughs) just to say hello. And, you know, we're all sort of in a particular boat together. And two thoughts come to mind, if I can just sort of bring them up. One is when you talk about so much that we can't do. I know you're right, but also we can do things. I mean, if we were all Greta Thunbergs, for example, (laughs) things would be different in the world. And so I'm just curious how to balance being engaged in political change. I mean, I'm not talking about personal. Personal, I think we all agree on... Um, what we could be doing there. And the other thing I just want to bring up is just where I'm at at the moment. Um, So we're in lockdown, have been for a week. And my partner and his son, who is um, Down syndrome, 40 years old, but Down syndrome, are both living with me, which is not what is normally the case. Normally we live apart. And I'm just feeling so intruded upon (laughs) because I'm just such a solitary person and I love having them both around. And I have to say, It's my partner that's a problem far more than his son, who is just very, and we just bond in a very different way. It's not so Mm -hmm. verbal. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so I just wanted to sort of share my very minor (laughs) problems.
0: (laughs) Well, yes, I'll take the first one first. Um, Whatever you feel called, whatever you feel called to do in the way of helping out, have at it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying to not follow your own instincts or your own heart. I just don't see personally, I don't see much that any of us can do at this point. That we don't, what I was saying at the beginning is we have very little control. We have very little control over a lot of things that we worry about. You know, we we fret about these huge things, these huge events that are totally out of our control, and frankly, they're out of Greta's control, right? And she's really she's really on task. You know, she's amazing, and I, I celebrate her as a heart warrior. But um, it's mostly out of her control too it's it's kind of getting very realistic about what you can do and what you can't really fix. Even so, there's there are heroes out there who will try to fix things that they know that have almost no chance or no chance even and they'll still they'll still try. So that's that's also a fair play as well. My point at the beginning though was based on how many people I know who've just been hand-wringing for you know years? <laughs> and my point is at this at this stage of the game, it's now out of our hands, it's out of our control. So many things that you you can just watch the show now. It's it, you don't have to fret. There's nothing that you're fretting is gonna do. So it's just knowing, knowing when to fret and when not to. <laughs> Sometimes you have to fret in order to get enough energy to make a change. And it's, it's a change that you can actually accomplish. But a lot of things that we are beating ourselves up with in our minds, we don't have to. We're worrying about things that we can't change. And we're not clear, we're not rational about seeing that distinction. To your second thing that you said, it's always good to, I find, in difficult circumstances to play out, like really go through an intellectual process of, well, what's your option? What are your options? You could ask them to leave. And then how would that feel? Not so good, right? No, Uh? So this is actually your choice. Mm. This is your choice to have them there. And it's probably a really good one. So just keep reminding yourself. Nobody's imposing this on you. Mm. It's, this is your choice, and it's the right choice for you. And it's a lovely, generous choice as well. So sometimes it's good to just remind yourself
1: Thank you. Sometimes it's as simple as that.
5: (laughs) I just wanted to share a couple of flashes of images that came up when you were talking about some of your techniques to remain present with what is and yet still find the joy in the moment. And what I I notice when I'm in overwhelm, and as you already delineated, there's a lot to be (laughs) overwhelmed about. Is is to put my attention on what is living in my presence. Mm -hmm. And even the simple the simplest image that came was seeing green things grow out of a crack in the concrete. And to just bow down to that inside myself, just like, wow, you know, that is so precious to connect with that life force energy. And the other image that came to me was just opening my window and setting free a fly. <laughs> and just saying you you I don't know how many minutes you have left but go out there and enjoy, you know. And and I think when I when I connect with and life really does seem even in my overwhelm to present me with these moments of honoring of freeing helping, saying a kind thing rather than a snide thing, I am, I can maintain my equilibrium as a human being. Mm -hmm. And, And the metaphor of music and art, when I think of a human being who has experienced grief and sorrow and loss and can still be in her joy even in in moments or in a conversation or just in an empathetic place for me it is looking at a really beautiful or interesting painting that has depth of color and contrast Mm -hmm. or listening to a piece of music that has a melody construct that weaves me into a different dimension so there is a beautiful, it, you, I have not let go of any of my grief, but I have woven it into my tapestry. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it does two things. One, I think it makes me a more interesting writer. And the second thing that it does is it makes me a better listener and compadre for someone who's on their journey. I'm mm-hmm. not just saying, oh, that must be terrible. I can actually, with my own essence, as you said, resonate and emanate empathy and calm. So I just wanted to honor uh, that and
1: um, say hello.
0: Oh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> I was just uh, cruising along there with you. <laughs> it was fantastic.
1: <laughs> yes, well, thank you. That was beautiful. Um, I was last here five weeks ago.
6: the daily messages, the, the daily adrenaline or the daily media attack that keeps us all in a kind of heightened state of excitement or, or involvement or somehow feeding an addiction that we've all developed. I realize that the default that we have in ourselves is highly influenced by these environmental messages that we're getting on a fairly constant basis. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing uh, the power of just switching it all off, which I've experimented with quite a bit in the last five weeks, and have found that we are in a state of addiction and that Mm -hmm. we have lost control of, of our own mind space because of this. And so I'm, I'm just finding that the, the best way to reconnect has been to disconnect.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: And
0: did, you, did you watch The Social Dilemma, the movie?
6: I haven't watched it. it it's on the dock.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, uh, it, to this very point that you're saying, and it's very, it's incredibly brilliant assessment of what the addiction to, to social media, to all kinds of media, is producing. And what the intent behind the manipulation is, which is basically that your attention is being sold, it's that your attention is for sale.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that these systems are designed to do anything they can to keep your attention so that there's all this, these, the algorithms are feeding what they think that you're already going to be interested in, and that's to sell your attention to the advertisers. It's very, very interesting. And I think one of the components is that because we're so addicted to these forms of, of using our attention, we don't then use our attention for deeper reflection, deeper contemplation, deeper calm, even just quiet. It's quite a good, I recommend it. It's it's mm. a good understanding, even though you might think you understand it pretty well. The guys in it were top of the line in in some of the biggest of the, the social media com- companies. And so they can really talk about it from the inside.
6: The continuation of the stressors right now is really quite overwhelming. And I have attempted to tune it out. I, I feel that i have a, a background melancholy or a background deep sadness i feel that this wall of media control which i'm trying to you know push out of my life has taken over so much of our society that we are less in control or at least the feeling that we're less in control and I think that like Kay releasing the fly and saying, go for it. <laughs> even even the small things, mm-hmm. even the small things that we practice reinforce the the goodness in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I am reminded that just small kindnesses, mm-hmm. just a small kindness to another person mm-hmm. has such enormous energy. And that I, I think that we need to just focus on practicing this loving kindness to others yes. and make it the habit, make that our default, make that the, the thing that, that brings us the energy that gives meaning. You know, we're, we've also been talking today about why are we here? What am I going to do with my life? What, what is it? And while I don't feel that I can achieve something politically in the world, I can find meaning and yeah. I can create meaning
2: Yes. yes and yes.
6: These, these acts of kindness to others is a, is a form of deep meaning for me and if that's all I can accomplish, then I think I've accomplished a lot.
0: Beautiful. How nice. That is such a good feeling, huh? Um, it's such a wonderful feeling. Yeah. To your point about the little things, you know, um, it turns out that's what our lives are made up of. That's, it's just these moments. They're just these moments. There's moments of interaction with friends or strangers or family. There's moments of things that we do or we put out as an offering. There's moments in your case of having played the great halls of the world and had those moments of sharing in the... Most incredible ways, and yet there are moments that are gone now. You know, and maybe more of those of those will come. But in the meantime, I'm reminded of this Zen teacher who used to live in Los Angeles, and they were remodeling the Zen Center in Los Angeles where he was. And he showed up at the site one day, and and he said to the contractor, the manager, he said, "How are things going?" And the contractor Said, oh fun, except for a few details. And the Zen master seemed confused and he said, but details are all there are.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just you know these little moments or that's a, that's all there is really. It's that's just those things, you know, no matter how, and you would know this well
1: no matter how grand some of life's experiences are or might have been. um,
0: I don't know, for me, I always find uh, things that I remember that pop into my memory are these small things, like small moments. Not that the big ones are forgotten, but What washes through my memory are just so many things that would have been not that big a flare when they happened, but that they had some kind of meaning, you know, just small kindnesses are very, very much recorded in memory for me, whether I offered them or I experienced them. So many of those I had one yesterday. I Had an incredible one yesterday. Actually, I was I was buying. I haven't had a cupcake. I had a. I think I had a couple. I think I had a couple of cupcakes about eight years ago when I lived in New York City because they they were all the rage. They were really fancy ones, you know. They're really kind of high end. But my friend was coming over for dinner, and it was her birthday. And so I decided to buy us two cupcakes. So I go to the store and I go to the grocery store where I knew they happened to have cupcakes. Um, So a guy who was serving me, I think it was probably his first day. So the first thing he was going to do was he was going to put the two cupcakes into this small bag where they would just be smashed. you know. So the the girl at the checkout is saying, no, no, you need to put these in a box. So then he couldn't find the box and he's struggling around trying to find the box. Finally he found the boxes, he decided he was gonna use two boxes, one for each cupcake, because I don't know why they would have both fit in one. Anyway, so then he's struggling with trying to get the lid to close. And he's getting more nervous and he felt that she was watching him and he knew I was waiting. And I said to him, you know what, give me that, give me the first one, you can be working on the second and I'll figure out the first one and this will go faster. And so I figured out quickly how to bend the box, the proper bending, so you could close it. And, and I said, let me just show you. And so I showed him and he was so grateful and I was making a kind of joke of it. And, and he smiled at me in such a way that was like, he felt relief. And I thought about him he looked to be about 30 some years old and he's working, you know, behind the counter at the grocery store. And I could tell he was, he was, he was going into, um, you know, perhaps he's always had that struggle in learning something new, perhaps. I don't know. It was just my impression. And he felt so much relief when it was over and it all worked out and the the customer wasn't angry and he now knows how to close the box and you know it's a tiny little thing. But I felt this warmth inside of of that connection. And I it's my little local grocery store and I know I'll see him again if he's still working there. And I, I intend to make sure that I smile at him and kind of reaffirm our, our little moment that we had. I don't think I'll be buying any more cupcakes, but <laughs> But but just something like that, just, it takes no effort, you know. It's amazing, isn't it, how we get impatient. Like, we have demands and we feel entitled. And it's very, very um, salubrious to go through the day and have the intention to Makes somebody else's day just a little bit brighter, and it and it makes your own brighter. And then too, with all the conversations you have, I've been very careful with my conversations in the last week because uh, I could feel so many people, as you can imagine, and probably it's true too. Mm. You you're in Berlin; you're probably speaking to people in the U.S. and They've been really like majorly freaked out, and. I've just been very aware of my words and, you know, not feeding into fear and, you know, basically saying, let this, let the process play out. And that's, I think the position I take about everything. (laughs) It's just going to play out as it does.
6: (laughs) Thank you for that. And thank you to everyone else for your, your wonderful comments. It's, it's, a, it's an important community, it is. and I missed you all. Yeah. I, I also find, you know, I can sense when, if I walk onto the stage with colleagues, sometimes there's this undercurrent, mm. and I have to realize that the undercurrent wasn't created by me, and that <laughs> it can have to do with just my reaction to things. Or it can be an actuality that there is something on stage. Um, and to realize that the, the world is, is just an amplification of that. Mm-hmm. And the, too often I, I generalize an attitude or I generalize an energy that is simply not there. Yeah. That, is, that is just based on that, that little m- movement of the needle from left to right. And it's the same way with acts of kindness. And just the small, those small, those tiny little things, and that if we accept the needle in this direction and we follow that direction, it leads to an entirely different outcome than if we would just say, "Well, wait a second, let's let's bring the needle back to zero and just recalibrate."
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, enlarging on this a little bit, I've just found the the past week to be an endless session of recalibration. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and of course the recalibration goes back to last March when the the pandemic began. And of course we're, we're back in lockdown here. We have the highest numbers and and it seems completely unreal because we don't see zombies in the street, but we know it's there. So, we have only to accept the, the new situation.
0: Yes, exactly. Yes. And, and, have, and have some gratitude that it is being handled, you know, that the, that the people in charge are doing, you know, what they can to, to protect everyone and to save the
1: medical systems. So just gratitude. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with everybody. It's beautiful to have these
7: conversations. Thank you for the reminder about the the different strategies. So my own mind is quite active and kind of imaginative and not always in such a creative way. Um, my default, the, the thing that I use to get myself back on track if I fall off track is gratitude and it works every single time. Yeah. So I find myself going to different sort of techniques of it, but at the moment, a friend and I are doing thank you, thank you, thank you. Love and you. I love you, I love you, I love you just to life. And it just works. And it's just that love that's created. Um, I'm in healthcare. I'm in the UK. And the first time around, we all got shut down for four months. It was a long, long time. And I'm ecstatic at the moment that we're just allowed to work. And I kind of decided this time around that if I couldn't work because we were shut down again, that that I would go and find somebody to help because Mm. it's just such a nice thing to do. Mm, Beautiful,
0: yeah.
7: We we have a 90-year-old downstairs who, um, her husband died and was obviously bereft because they'd been together so long. And my partner and I have been trotting down to kind of take her little things or just to stand in the garden and to say hi and wave and just talk about all sorts of nonsense and pass the time. Mm
1: -hmm.
7: And you can see her kind of flowering and, Mm -hmm. and she's there particularly looking for my partner and saying, oh, you know, and every couple of days we go down. It's just a nice... Community. Community, I think, is is what has come stronger at this time. That people pulling together is, it's it's
0: uplifting. That's so nice. And when everything
7: else falls apart, (laughs) you know, it's nice to have something else that's very positive and generating.
0: Yes, yes. And so... Easily accomplished in that it's not that hard to just walk downstairs and be kind to someone, you know, and it might make be the difference for her between. a real, huge, huge
3: yeah.
7: difference. You can see a, a massive transformation. So on the cupcake trajectory, a couple of friends are struggling because of, you know, lack of routine. And so um, each person independently seems to have decided to to meet somebody every few days or something like that for an outside walk because we're allowed to meet one person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so today I'm going to take a special brie, cranberry and chive cupcake to my friend in the park. And it's these these moments. You know, I have to make each – so each week we're going to have a a, a walk and each week there's going to be a different savoury cupcake. It's just, you know, being kind to each other, really.
0: Yeah. And those little rituals are so, they become
1: so satisfying. Just little rituals like that. It's lovely to see you and uh, everybody. Um,
8: yeah, it's, it's funny, the thank you thing. Um, I've been you know, going through this process of loss around a relationship and different things. I've tried to reconnect with the person and I felt humiliated and there's been all these kind of difficult, what feel to me like lower level feelings of consciousness. So I've been experiencing a lot of anger and this narrative. And then last night I started finding that I was thanking the person (laughs) for, for letting me go almost, you know, it was almost this thing that started happening. Long may it last, as we say. But but it was just when it's it's just the synchronicity of other people, you know, people speaking about this, and that this was something naturally it was like the only way that I could deal, um, or one of the only ways of dealing with the narrative. And I suppose that sense of when something happens and and there's a powerlessness, you know, that for me those feelings of frustration it could be about uh, lots of different things, you know, restrictions. Um, so when you, when you were talking about foreboding, I was thinking my for I I have that a lot, but it's quite narcissistic. It's not so. It's not so much about. It yeah, I have. I, you know, there is just a sense of something that could happen, that could go wrong. I suppose. Um, but it's that that retraining of awareness. It's it's sometimes it seems nearly impossible. I have to keep reminding myself. But maybe that's what you're saying as well—that these things will play out. You know that we bring our attention back to what is, including if that's feeling not, you know.
0: Exactly, including all the feelings that are arising, and then work as you go. You don't expect that they're going to be eradicated by this habit. Yeah. Yeah. That you quickly adjust the attention. And that's all that is needed. And that's how it works. It doesn't matter how many times you have to
8: do it. It's coming into reality each time you do it, even if that reality is a painful one. There's something about the resistance, the, the foreboding as well as like an anxiety, maybe, you know, of of feeling things. Even if yeah. that, those feelings come up a hundred times a day, that's what I find. It's, it's when it's experienced, it, it is eased.
1: Yes. But it's yes.
8: frustrating how frequently that has... It, that has to be done. Yes. Well, even the
0: frustration about that can start dimming because you just get used to it. You just, just yeah. like we've gotten used to certain ways of living now in a pandemic, you get yes. used to your own patterning and your own type of conditioning. Yeah. And if you have, if you are someone who is subject to anxiety, yeah, it's triggered easily that may not change that much in terms of the triggering.
8: Yeah, it, yeah.
0: In terms of how long you indulge it, or not even indulge isn't even the right word, how long you suffer it. Yeah. So you, you start getting pretty adept at noticing when your system is going haywire, and you then start redirecting and self-soothing and doing the things that you know yeah. will calm you down and bring you into an easy reality, an easier reality. And no fight with the fact that the
8: anxiety arose again. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a, a punishing thing that can happen around these things that it's maybe the self-compassion allows for the anxiety or allows for the Definitely. How many times it takes, you know, those, I mean, I find at times that if, if people are complaining about how, We've had a lockdown here as well. But I, I just I I feel like yawning when I hear people complaining about, you know, that people aren't managing it and the virus is spreading again. And because I know that, you know, there are parties happening here. People just can't contain their frustration. And I suppose I just don't feel that concerned that not everybody's doing what they should be doing. Because I know that, you know, particularly teenagers, they just yeah. not they just can't. It's just ongoing restrictions and people are going to freak out at times. Yeah. And I, I just think that's inevitable because it's human nature. Yes, indeed.
0: Yeah, I mean, the best we can hope for in this regard is that most people will be responsible and yeah. we're going to, to live with the fact that some people just aren't going to
8: be. They just won't. They absolutely, I mean, it's just it's just not going to happen. So um, I think it's trying to accept that as well.
0: Yes, the human condition of it all. Yeah. Uh, that's Another thing you said, though, about the maybe the expectation that you you use the word frustration yeah that it's rising again and I don't know if you're afflicted with this particular mind meme but a lot of people in spiritual circles are and that is I should be beyond my evolution I should be I should be enlightened whatever one's fantasy of that word is i shouldn't you know fill in the blank i shouldn't be experiencing this i shouldn't be experiencing judgment i shouldn't be having so much anxiety something's wrong with me all those kinds of things can fall away actually
8: what i was thinking about during the week was what you said about the me story and i thought well a lot of the a lot of the concern about the future and everything is that me story so it's not about maybe looking for a solution, but if the me story isn't as strong, then you're not as bothered. Would that, right. would Part that? of
0: the me story is, is some kind of improvement and change about the me, about, yeah. about myself, that I yeah. should be. So my, my whole entire offering and suggestion is yeah. about alleviating suffering for yourself wherever you can. I don't expect that it's going to be completely alleviated but there are certain ways one can use one's attention to alleviate a lot of it a lot of the mental strife but not all of it (laughs) and um and the idea of changing into some glorified version of some some spiritual version of oneself that actually can really fall away and i know that from direct experience because yeah after I'd done 17 years of Buddhist practice yeah. long ago and left in 1991. Nice. Um, yeah. And then was studying with a teacher who was saying very similar things to what I'm saying in his own way. It just fell away. The whole project fell away of trying to be some glorified version of myself and trying to be Without hate and without judgment and without fear and all those ideas that we were promised, frankly, yes. yes. well, yes, we were basically, we were basically on a path to enlightenment in Buddhist practice in those okay. days. They've gotten more sophisticated about using a lot of these terms, but they okay. were in those days, and we were on what was called we were looking at what was called the pro- progress of insight. And so at different levels of the insight path, yeah, certain things were supposed to be falling away, like judgment and hatred and all these things. Oh, wow. you know, um, none, none of them had fallen away from me. And I actually didn't think they had actually fallen away from my teachers either. And it became, at some point, it became laughable to me and I left. But then, you know, studying with this teacher who had no story whatsoever that all of that conditioned material should not be there yeah. his his whole thing was it is exactly at, you're made exactly as you are <laughs> you know it's like then the question is you know how do you manage it and when you know that about yourself when you're actually familiar with your own so-called foibles or your own weaknesses or your own fears and anxiety yeah. and and hatred and all the muck. Um, yeah. and, and you're not in any kind of denial of it or shame about it.
8: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Is not Yeah.
0: No shame about it when you're yeah. just as you are um, and you're working with it as best you can in terms of just trying to not suffer it too long. Then it has a lot less power. So for me, after all those years of so-called seeking, I then moved into no seeking. Like I was... Yeah, yeah. No search going on at all anymore. Right. Not that I landed in some glorified uh, version, but uh, I just stopped having any battle inside. So I haven't, I I can say honestly, since I met him in 91 or two. I haven't had a single moment of some kind of self-improvement idea. Wow. The only thing I look for in terms of my, what I'm doing with my attention is I'm adjusting it according to the suffering.
8: Yeah. But there's no narrative of, I'll need to make sure this doesn't happen again in the future. No, none of that, no, none,
0: none of that at all. No. I, don't care, I don't care how depraved my thoughts are. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care when I have feelings of hatred. Yeah,
8: Um, they're quite healthy sometimes. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, and they and they're fleeting, and I don't indulge them. I don't do anything about them. Right. Just fear fear sometimes, and the very thing I'm talking about—the sense of foreboding—like I said, sometimes it gets very loud. Okay. Um, But again, I don't, I don't mind that that's happening. I'm quite clear, having had this experience for so long. Yeah, it's it's in the non. Reactivity about what's arising. That's where the freedom is. Yeah, yeah. That's where the freedom to not indulge it or not act mm-hmm. upon it, not speak the words that might go with it and that
5: are coming through the mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, sometimes knowing when to speak about something and when not, I find yeah. it's really tricky. That's yeah. true. And,
1: yeah. And,
0: and, you know, a lot of use can be made of just staying silent. Yeah. Uh, you're you're delivering a message in silence that is being heard loud and clear,
8: you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: This has been in the deep We invite you to join us for any of the online Zoom sessions, which now occur two times monthly on the first weekend of each month. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider a donation for the monthly production and hosting costs. The donation button is on each page of our website, katherineingram.com. It would also be very helpful if you can give a review or even just a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. Till next time.